Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Science, exercise, nutrition, health, energy, passion. One year, no beer. This is the One Year No Beer podcast, where you will find all the latest tips, tricks, and hacks for a way to live better. Today, I'm going to be joined by Silicon Valley's legend. BJ Fogg, founder of the iconic Behaviour Design Lab at Stanford University. BJ has cracked the code of habit formation. Uh, His book, based on 20 years research and used by over 60,000 people, Tiny Habits, reveals that the key to changing behaviour is the opposite of what you've been told. It isn't about willpower, it's about starting small and making it feel good. Now, I only had 30 minutes of time with BJ today, sadly. Um, So what I want to do is I'm going to explain to you um, his behavior change model on this podcast and then really encourage you to pick up the book and then we'll dive into the interview with BJ. So it's called the Fog Behavior Model and really it's built around a simple formula. Behavior change equals motivation, ability, and prompts. Now, let me explain. Behavior happens when these three things come together at the same time. Motivation, ability, and a prompt. Imagine down the left-hand side, vertical, motivation. And you've got low motivation up to high motivation. And then along the bottom, you've got ability. A thing is either easy to do over to the right or hard to do over to the left. So imagine um, you want somebody to donate to Red Cross. If they have a high motivation, and if it's really easy for that person to do, they will be in the upper right-hand corner of the model. High motivation, easy to do. And this is where a person, given the prompt, will do it. No problem, it happens the behavior happens. In contrast, if someone has low motivation to donate to the Red Cross, and if it's really hard for them to do, they have to log into three screens, do that capture thing which you get wrong, etc., etc., then they will not do the behavior when they are prompted. So there's a relationship between motivation and ability. This curved line called the action line shows that relationship. If somebody is anywhere above the action line, which kind of goes from the top left in a curvature down to the bottom right, um, if someone is anywhere above the action line when prompted, they will do the behavior. In this case, they will donate to the Red Cross. However, if they are below the action line when prompted, they won't do the behavior. If someone is below the action line, we need to get them above it for the prompt to instigate the behavior. Either we have to increase motivation or the behavior needs to be easier to do 
or both. This model applies to all types of human behavior. So in summary, when motivation, ability, and a prompt come together at the same moment, that's when a behavior will occur. If any of these three elements is missing, the behavior won't happen. You'll hear BJ say that he has unlocked <laughs> the, the theory on humankind of behavior change. Wow. And we are graced with BJ's presence on our podcast. I'm so excited for you to hear this interview, not only to hear a bit about his science, but more importantly, what most people have not heard his own personal journey with alcohol and how he changed his relationship and also how much that impacted his life. If you don't find this podcast helpful, inspiring, thought-provoking, and full of stuff, I don't know. Stop listening to podcasts. This was one of my favorite interviews to do. BJ is an absolute hero for me. I mean, right at the epicenter of everything that we're trying to do here at One Year No Beer. So I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I enjoyed doing it. Great to have you on the show, BJ. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. Um, and it's been a while since I've seen your face. I'm glad we're, 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 we're seeing each other. Um, we've met a few times in Arizona and uh, Genius Network, Consumer Health Summit, things like that. Talked lots over the time, haven't we? Yeah, it's good to be here. I didn't know I'd be on video. If you, ca if you can't see me, anybody, my face is really shiny because they just put on moisturizer. I was out surfing. I have this routine. <laughs> so just, if you can't see me, just imagine my face all shiny like a mirror. When you say they were putting moisturizer on me, you like have like oh, a group of people no, who no, put no, moisturizer no. on you. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I'm going to have to see if I really said that. That's very funny. Uh, you know, I do have a speech impediment. No, I, I have a speech impediment, but not of that type. So. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Yeah, call me out whenever I, whenever I say something uh, crazy. I love that. So um, I've, I'm going to dive right into it. I've, I've explained already to people about um, the wonderful fog behavior model in, you know, in the book, Tiny Habits, which came out in January of this year. Um, and that all being, you know, B equals, oh, sorry, behavior change equals motivation, uh, ability and prompts. Um, what is the, give me, give me the, the oversight on that. Um, what is the, the, really the one thing that is going to help us change behavior? Yeah, so there is an easy way to understand how behavior works and what you just said. It comes down to motivation, ability, and a prompt. And if you want to stop a behavior, for example, if you take away any one of those components, the behavior will stop. If you can reduce or take away motivation, ability, if you can make it hard or impossible to do, or if you can remove the prompt. The prompt is the trigger, the cue, the reminder. And so all behaviors break down to those three things. And you can use it to design how to get a behavior to happen or how to stop a behavior. Yeah, absolutely. And you've got one other beautiful gem and it's about making people feel success. Yes. Yeah, so, when, so a habit is a type of behavior. It's a, it's a type of behavior. So in the larger... Um, realm of behavior, a subset is a habit. It's something you do automatically. The way that you cause a behavior to become automatic is emotions is what creates the habit. Emotions is what rewires your brain. So if you do a behavior and you feel a positive emotion as you do it, so if your brain associates 
an emotion and I have people focus on the, the feeling of success, mm-hmm. that's what helps the brain. That's what causes the brain, the neurochemistry in the brain to shift. And that's what causes the habit to wire in. So it's not repetition. It's emotions that change the brain. Okay. So if we apply that to specifically somebody who's got a more intimate relationship with alcohol than they would like, and they've decided to go on this journey of changing that relationship with alcohol, how do they wire in that success? How do they, how do they go about yeah. this process? Well, for habits that are, um, some habits are really, really easy to break, but this kind of uh, thing with alcohol is not that necessarily. Um, what I suggest in phase one is to get good at creating new habits. Um, changing behavior is a skill or it's a set of skills. And let me use an analogy. If you wanted to play the guitar, for example, you wouldn't sit down and try to play the hardest song. You would start with easier songs, develop skills, and then step up to something more challenging. In the same way, if people are trying to create a new habit or stop a habit and it's hard, start with easy things. And so there's really easy habits you can form, just like really easy songs you can play on the guitar. And then learn those skills of change and also increase your confidence you can change. So then you can tackle harder things. I love it. Um, and that sits perfectly with, with, with what we do because in reality, with most people with their relationship with alcohol, they're searching for something. So they're looking for a drug mm-hmm. to shortcut into uh, relaxation or Mm. to de-stress or um you know to unwind or to feel fun or whatever these things are right and actually by cultivating a habit which helps you feel relaxation so meditation is a perfect example um and doing a small bit of that meditation each day we're starting to create those new habits on a way to changing our relationship with alcohol yep yeah good so that works and then um so if i if i want to so i start off by um creating new habits that's phase one phase two after i've started to create these new habits and i'm still trying to change my relationship with alcohol what's that well um i don't want to overstate my level of, of expertise yes i do think what i've done with the behavior model creating that model is uh it's like a big riddle that hadn't been solved for thousands of years. I mean, I hope that doesn't sound arrogant, but <laughs> humans have long thought about how does behavior work? I mean, even in biblical times. And now here's this model that describes all behaviors. So having that as a foundation, we can now look at things like habits or stopping behaviors or stopping habits in a new way with a new understanding. And so I've been able to expand that work to different types, including helping people stop behaviors. But in my book, Tiny Habits, I'm pretty careful to point out that if you have an addiction, um, however someone might define that, yeah. yes, this book and this method will help you. However, find a program that specializes. Find an expert that is a true expert in this particular challenge. So, uh, and I'm so glad with what you're doing. I mean, I think uh, having people work with you and that's your expertise. And so I know a lot about behavior and how it works in general, but I don't want to overstate my expertise and say I know a lot about helping people who have a, uh, say are addicted to alcohol, have an unhealthy relationship with it. I'm the world's expert on that. Um, but <laughs> well, certainly 
looking at what works, helping people understand how behavior works in general, and then bringing in your expertise or your team's expertise is really important. Yeah, so I'll, I'll second that and I'll give even more kudos back to you because the reality is I think that we've, in society, we've too often looked to go, oh, that's addiction, that belongs over there. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is that 80% of the people who might be considered in the addiction or addicted space actually just need habits changed. And, yeah. and when you treat people with this, it's just habit and you can change it and you have the power and it's yeah, all in no, your control, no. they can change themselves and yeah. they, they have the power to, to, well, to do that. And we see that a lot. Well, let, let me push back a little bit on what you said. I, I think yeah. what you said is right, but I don't want it to send the wrong signal. Too often, uh, change programs that said, look, if you just had enough discipline or if you just had enough willpower, you could do it. Yeah, no. That is the wrong message to get out in the world. It's like, you know what? There are products and programs that were created around methods that are not good. Yeah. And people have used those or they've seen things on TV or they've read blogs. And then when they don't succeed with those programs or those methods, they blame themselves. And that's not helpful. Yeah. And that's not accurate and fair. So yes, it's within people's capacity to learn how behavior change works, to learn those skills, and then apply it to challenging problems. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but people need the right way to do it. Yeah. And when it comes to forming habits, the tiny habits method is the best way to do that. It's for creating habits. That's awesome. And you can create any habit that way. Yeah. When it comes to untangling and that's how i think about breaking bad habits you know in my book i just say let's not use break anymore because it's yeah. not about a sudden moment yeah let's talk about untangling untangling is more complicated hmm. and the way you untangle things i'm thinking again i've not studied addictions i don't want to go into space but the way that you untangle different ones is different and different people have different processes yeah so i don't so forming habits can be really easy. Yeah, mm. I mean, the tiny habits method is straightforward. The way that you untangle them can get complicated, which is why I so appreciate your work and focusing on what you're doing because people need, for different kinds of habits that people want to stop, we need different programs and for yeah. different types of people. So there's one way to form habits. There are just a multitude we need a multitude of approaches to help people untangle. Yeah, it's so interesting. And we're just looking at the untangle, you know, the word untangle really describes kind of how it can get into, into different yeah. areas and be associated with different things and linked to yeah. identity or status and, 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 and all that stuff. So, so much. Yeah. <laughs> now, I don't know if you want to go here, but, uh, Oh yeah, my own journey with alcohol. Yes, I'd love to. Exa- well, why don't you ask the questions you want? But I'm happy to talk <laughs> well, that, about what you know, to move away from my professional uh, version of me and go into a personal version of me. Where yes. I apply my work. So that is what was amazing because we really connected over that. That you'd obviously been on your own alcohol-free journey. So um, yeah. I want to hear. I want to hear about that. I mean, you know, <gasps> how long are you now alcohol-free? <laughs> two years. Two years. Woo-hoo! Yeah. Two, two years, years. No beers. Like a month. Yeah. <laughs> You know, okay, well, I'll just dive in. So um, I grew up Mormon. I grew up uh, in California, very strong Mormon family. So alcohol was never considered and really viewed as bad. 
Fast forward, uh, as a gay man, um, couldn't also be Mormon. So uh, my partner and I have been there 25 years, and we moved to wine country in California, not for the wine, but to be by a river. I'm really, really big on nature. So we bought a home right there by the river. And the environment, and I talk about this a lot, and it's part of my book, the environment around you really does influence your behavior. Mm. So the fact that we lived in wine country, wine was everywhere. Yeah. I mean, all the talk was about wine and wine barrels and harvest and crush and all that. And we had no palate for wine because both of us grew up Mormon. In fact, it tasted kind of terrible to us. And the only wine we could palate was white Zinfandel, which later we learned was super low class. <laughs> we didn't know that. But little by little, you know, we started being trained on it. And people would take us under their wings and give us like wine tasting lessons. So then we developed a palate for it and we appreciated it. And then um, just started drinking socially and drinking more. It was just part of the culture. Yeah. And then about you know seven or eight years in, I was like, you know, this, eh, it isn't serving me. I don't feel like I have a huge problem with it, but my life would be better without it. But then part of me said, no, I really don't want to give up wine. It's just, you know, I enjoy it. And so when one day one of my friends ran across a neighbor, in fact, a couple, they said, oh, we don't drink anymore. We stop. And I was like, why would you stop? <laughs> and then I, that's what I thought. I was like, totally. for you, yeah. why would you stop? And the guy said, and he's really smart. He's a former engineer at Intel. He says, oh yeah, and guess what? You lose a taste for it after a while. And I was like, no, I don't think so, Dale. It's <laughs> yeah. like, no, I don't think so. So that was- You're just, just convincing yourself with that. Exactly. So I just put it in the back of my mind. It's like, wow, I didn't know they had a problem. And I don't think they had a problem. They just- you know, they're getting older and they said, you know, we want to optimize life. So then one day, probably two years later, a year later or something, I was just driving home from a, a wedding of my friend. And I don't know why it was then, but I, like for our drive and on the drive, I thought, you know what? I'm stopping. I'm stopping. I'm done. You know, there's been times when I tried to do less, drink less, and it would kind of work and kind of not. And I thought, no, I'm done. I'm done. When I get home, I'm going to tell my partner because we would have the habit of pouring a glass of wine and he would mm. pour a Manhattan and would sit on the porch and look at the river and watch the birds. It was such a great ritual. Yeah. It was so, so good uh, to do, but we did it most every night. So got home and that evening we sat out on the porch and you know I just got out sparkling water and he's like, oh, and I said, yeah, I, I'm not drinking tonight because I didn't want to get home and say, guess <laughs> what? I've stopped. I'm not, yeah. You just, you know, because I just didn't want him to feel uncomfortable and I didn't want to set the bar too high. It's like, oh, I'm not drinking tonight. It's like, fine. And so the next night we sit there and I get out like some sparkling water or something and I put a lemon in. He's like, and it's like, yeah, I'm not, I just, I'm just not going to drink tonight. He's like, wait, you're not turning Mormon on me again, are you? <laughs> no, no, no. I said, you know, I just, I just, I just, I'm just not going to drink for a while. And then the next night and so on. So then, um, and yeah, there was sort of this moments of, yeah, it'd be really nice to have a glass of wine, but instead yeah. I have this and that's fine. And then about two weeks in, my partner said, you know what? I'm going to join you. Ooh. I'm going to stop drinking too. We'll Brilliant. do this together, which I didn't force him to do. No. I was just, because first, I didn't think that would work. Next, I just feel like something like this is really... The good news is he supported me from the beginning. Other than the wisecrack, you know, yeah. you're not reverting Mormon. Other than the wisecrack, 
he certainly supported me and I appreciated that. And then when he stepped in and said, yeah, I'm going to do this with you. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. And then we never looked back. And here's the surprise. I'm sure there's other aspects and you've heard these stories. What I was surprised was, yes, I did lose the taste for it. Bam, like my friend said. And then, but even a bigger surprise, and this happened immediately, how many benefits there were from yeah. stopping. And for me, what I learned is it wasn't a good plan to just scale back. I'm the kind of person I learned for this kind of thing. I'm all or nothing. So I had to just stop, 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 stop. And so I started discovering all these benefits I didn't expect. Like mm. in the morning, I'm 100% and there's not like the wine bottle or wine glasses dirty. I, I, I should have listed them all. Yeah. But certainly I felt better and I felt more, even more confident. And then here's my reaction. It was, why didn't anybody tell me there were all these benefits? <laughs> How come nobody spoke up and said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not only do you kind of, you know, your liver, you know, which of course everybody should be concerned about, but there's all these other benefits. And so when you can see that clearly, the bargain that alcohol is making with you is not a good bargain. It's amazing. a bad bargain. It is a bad bargain. It's, it's amazing, yeah. the realization. But then why didn't somebody tell me this before? And then, yeah. or was I not listening? <laughs> yes, I think you're right. I, I think, you know, you, people believe what they want to believe. Yeah. And for, you know, it, it was probably out. I wasn't looking for, you know, benefits of stopping drinking entirely. I wasn't looking for that. And I don't even know why there was this moment driving home where I was like, you know, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. I, and it didn't have much to do with the wedding because it wasn't like I had this moment at the wedding where I was drunk or I made a fool of myself on the dance floor. There was just something that I just decided, I'm done. This, yeah. is, this is not, you know, and I knew I could do it. Well, let me back up. Because I'd practiced habits so much, I knew a lot about change. Mm -hmm. And so I had skills of doing it. So yeah. I knew I had the skills because I'd practiced creating habits so much. And I was quite sure my partner would support me because that's kind of how the relationship works. When somebody wants to do something like learn this or learn that, or let's, you know, rearrange the furniture, it's a supportive environment. And I know not everybody has that. So I knew I had all the advantages, but the thing that really, and yes, um, there was some, the hardest thing were the social situations. That was the hardest thing. It wasn't the, the, I need a calming, mechanism or i need um a way Something to relax yeah yeah it, it really social was hardest but i made game plans for that and i got through them and then now it's not hard at all socially yeah yeah it's amazing I, also the i guess the discovery i mean you not only had a supportive environment but you also had the skills already in, in understanding behavior and changing behavior. So you had success very much already sort of lined up for you in making the choice um, yes. to- But to I didn't have a program and I didn't have yeah. a mentor. I didn't have peers. So, and those are the kinds of things you're providing. And that would have yeah. been really helpful uh, for me. Uh, I was just kind of on my own, but yeah, I studied behavior change and yeah, I had skills and I knew what I needed to do in general. Yeah. But I was a little bit on my own on this. And I didn't want to go public and announce it. Um, uh, I don't know. I, so I, but, you know, I'm happy to talk about it now. And I just, <sighs> it's just such a good thing to help people get free of alcohol. 
Yeah. Uh, I just, I'm just not, I can't think of any reason that's a good idea to drink. And then looking back, as you see the way the publicity happens around it and the way newspaper articles write about it, it's like, man, this is, once you get outside of it and look back in, it's totally transparent what a deceit that is. Totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you don't see it. Like, why was I doing that? Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. And, I, I th- and as well, we are trying to reach, we're trying to reach the people who don't know it yet, which is probably the hardest thing to do because it's just like you in that situation. Like it, I, wasn't at, I wasn't at a place where it was causing a problem. I wasn't at a place where I'd had an accident. It hadn't gone to the extreme end, but I was like, hmm, it's almost a wondering. I wonder what like, and so the reason why we built it up as a challenge is let's just challenge people to do some days off booze so that they have the realization themselves. They almost are transported to that you know, 90 day version of themselves and go, Oh my God, this is amazing. Why didn't I do this before? The number one thing for me, I think, I mean, there's lots of benefits. Yeah. I'm not worried about my liver, but um, it's my mornings. I'm a hundred percent in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so uh, like I got up at four or four 30 this morning. I mean, that's, I just, I'm up that early now. It's not like alarm clock, not like try, I get up and I just start my day and it's awesome. And so I'm a hundred percent, uh, whatever I want to do, I'm in, I'm a hundred percent capable. Whereas there were days after drinking, I wasn't, I wasn't that good. And it wasn't like I was really screwing up on things, but I now know I wasn't a hundred percent. In fact, that's I remember right. going to a swim meet. I was going to compete in a swim meet. And it's on a Saturday. And I think I went to a friend's party on a Friday. And I get up on the blocks to race. And it's like, uh, you're kind of hungover, BJ. And you're racing right now. This is, you're not 100%. Yeah. Now I know that won't happen. You yeah. Know, whether I'm surfing or on a conference call or competing in a swim meet or anything. So I do love that every morning is mine 100% without compromise. Yeah, completely. And um, I actually think because if you wind back two and a half years ago to you, you'd have said you were on 100%. So the reality is you are on 120%. Because, because you thought it was 100% back then. You thought, I, and, and this is people who are drinking, even if they're just, you know, like you, they're, they're having a glass of wine a day, that's all, right? Or, you know, every, a few bit, not that much. They're like, oh, this is fine. I'm feeling perfect. No, I'm feeling 100%. No, no, you're not. This is 120%. Yeah, and like I said, it increased my confidence. Mm. I remember there are times I'd be going into a business meeting and I was like, okay, this is a big deal. I need to be 100% sharp. Why did I have that extra glass of wine last night? And so a little nagging sense of, I know I'm not 100%. <laughs> and, and now I, I, I just never feel like I'm not, I'm not at risk for that. Yeah. So that's my own journey. I don't want to prescribe that to others. At, you know, from, I'm a behavior scientist, but I, I'm also a person. So I don't want to say, this is the scientific way to do it. This is my personal experience. Yeah. And what an awesome personal experience it is too. So, um, and, and I think so, uh, looking back at that, that, that journey now, not just the benefits, what would you say, what do you find you say to people now who are drinking? Do you find yourself saying anything about it or you, are you careful? Oh, so it, bear in mind, bear in mind, you're saying, I wish somebody had told me. <laughs> On the social events, just learned 
and I use tiny habits for this. When the host offers me a drink, I say, uh, I'm not drinking tonight or tonight I'm sticking with sparkling water. I needed that game plan. I, and, you know, I, I knew that was coming and it happened and there was a moment of like, what, what's wrong with you? And then guess what? That social group started drinking less across the board. It was a group that got together and together and it was less and less. Brilliant. And then I just got, you know, then I would bring my own, you know, non-alcoholic drinks and just not make a big deal of it. So. At, you know, there was probably six or eight social events where it was a little, and then it was done. Then it was just totally done. Um, I think, I think if, if I could talk to myself who I was five years ago, I would say, okay, BJ, understand that at least you, you're an all or nothing kind of, for this kind of thing, you're all or nothing. The whole, I'm only going to have one glass, maybe two a night. Mm, no, instead just stop and then I would say, well, I don't want to stop. Well, just try one night. Just do one night and practice and see how it goes. Boom. You know, so don't set yourself up from the rest of your life because there's yeah. going to be a part of my brain that goes, no, and sabotages that effort. So just one night. And then maybe just try when you're ready, just do two nights. And then learn the skills of not having drinks. Go to a party and don't drink a party. Go to a business a network thing. Don't forget. So in other words, practice these different things. Yes. So you know you can you know you can do it. You know how to do it. Yeah. So and then if I could and then I would have told myself, and even though you feel like you're never going to completely stop, just practice these little things and then watch what happens. There yeah. will be a moment when you're like, yep, I'm done. And then you'll then you'll be more capable and more confident for doing it. Yeah, that's setting yourself up for success. I love it, um, and um, and doing it in pieces. But you did did you do a little bit of that before you you took yes. your break? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I look back now, and absolutely, I had I navigated networking events, parties, um, and so on. So I'd done I'd, I'd done the groundwork. I'd taken the baby steps, even though I wasn't doing it deliberately because I didn't think, oh, I'm going to stop entirely. But I just knew there were times like, oh, I'm not drinking at this party because, oh, I have to, you know, I have to speak early in the morning. I'm giving a keynote or sometimes at business events. Oh, I'm the speaker at the, yeah, everybody else is going to be slightly drunk, but I'm speaking. So I got to be a, so, you know, there'd been times I'd already done that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, for sure. So it wasn't, you know, zero to 60 or yeah. 60 to zero. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably a good one for most people looking at it is thinking, before I go and do the challenge, have I already done some of these things and and navigated it? Amazing stuff. Thanks so much, BJ. And I guess one last thing, and really being specific tonight, I just have to pause slightly because it's just hit eight o'clock in the UK and we have to... Big round of applause to the... Um, thank you. To the National Health Service um, outside everybody's standing out on the streets applauding and shouting and banging pans in the UK to celebrate the health service because we're in the middle of coronavirus um, and and pandemic and lockdown and things like that. And so I guess uh, my last question to you is, is trying to change behavior in a time like now seems more difficult because there's all these things going on. What, what would you say about that? I would just say for some people listening to this, now is exactly the right time, exactly the right time. Now is the time when you, so many things are changing around you. Change leads to change. Mm -hmm. Your other habits are unsettled. Now is the time where you want to protect your body and be prepared in case you do get coronavirus. You want to, 
you, you want to strengthen your body. Now is the time you're not going out to parties and bars and networking events. There's a lot of reasons that for some people listening to this, it's exactly the right time. Yeah, brilliant. Well said. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, can't wait to do another one again soon, BJ. Thanks so much for um, joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me and thank you for the awesome work you're doing. Uh, it's really important. Yeah, thanks. Just before you go, and if you haven't got it already from this podcast, check out BJ Fogg's book, Tiny Habits, The Small Changes That Change Everything. Now, there's so much good stuff in here. At One Year No Beer HQ, we are studying this and have been studying this and trying to work out how we can implement this theory into not just how we interact with you, but also the kind of technology that we use to help change behavior. Everything that is in this book is going into our thought processes. And so why not get ahead of the game? Get the book, start to read it, create behavior design in your life. Um, some of the really interesting things is linking behaviors. We didn't even get onto that into this podcast. Um, I'll give you an example because there's a great part at the appendix here, um, linking the behaviors. When you take a behavior and link it to something that you do naturally anyway, let's take brushing your teeth and let's say you're trying to do exercise and you want to set yourself up for success because the most important thing with habit change is success. Well, you write on the mirror above where your toothpaste is, when I brush my teeth or immediately after I finish brushing my teeth, I do one press up and afterwards I give myself a massive pat on the back for being successful at doing exercise. That's all it takes to start wiring that behavior. Every time I brush my teeth, I'm going to do that press up and boom, you are building an exercise habit. Isn't that so simple? Isn't that something that all of us can do? Isn't that something that we can all embrace right now and start building these positive habits, no matter what is going on in your life? Amazing. Grab the book, get out there, start designing behavior, and let's change lives together. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the One Year No Beer podcast. For a full list of episodes and to join in the challenge yourself, head on over to oneyearnobeer.com. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.